Well, it's certainly the Christmas season. It may not look like those of the past, but I believe the Holy Spirit's much more interested in how we're carrying our hearts in these days than how many presents are under the tree or how many family and friends will be available to even love on this year. Because we're all busy, I thought this might be a a real good time to bring a previous teaching to the forefront, one in which uh, I believe the Lord has provided me with a little bit more to share, a little bit more insight. Also, there are many new listeners, and not everyone, not everyone who comes on board begins at the beginning, but that's okay. So I thought we'd take a a deeper dive today into one of the critical musts that we've talked about in the past, the mystery of of the two days of Hosea 6-2. I got a question to ask you. What would you feel? What what would you do? What would radically change in your life if you knew from Scripture, from the Bible itself, a significant timing indicator of the return of Jesus Christ, His second coming, how close we might be or might not be? I know there are those in the church, including me, who believe it's not possible to know the day or the hour of Christ's return. But I also believe the Holy Spirit is now making it clear to the church, we must begin to give careful consideration to Bible passages long held as mysteries, but now shedding considerable light about the season of His return. Our ongoing study of Matthew 24 provides us significant timing indicators and serves as a service to every generation of the critical must events that will precede the second coming. The days leading up to that time will be intense, and particular verses in Matthew 24 show that. Listen to verse 19. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Verse 22. And if those days had not been cut short, no human would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Or verse 29 of Matthew 24, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers powers of the heavens will be shaken. The beginning of the birth pains clearly signal a transition is underway that will lead to something remarkable, signaling a groaning of all creation just before Christ's return and our entrance into the millennial rule and reign of our Lord. One thing is very clear. Verse 14 of Matthew 24 shows the gospel of the kingdom will continue to be preached right up to his return through the tribulation itself. So with with that clear scripture available, we might ask, well, how close are we? To even attempt to answer that question, we must go to Hosea chapter 5, verse 15, and read through chapter 6, verse 2. It's only uh, three or four short verses. And I believe these passages will make it clear the Lord's return will come 2,000 years after his ascension. Let's read from Hosea chapter 5. I'm going to start at verse 14. For I will be like a lion to Ephraim, and like a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will 
tear and go away. I'll carry off and no one shall rescue. I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. In their distress, earnestly seek me. Hosea 6.1 Come, let us return to the Lord, for he's torn us, that he may heal us. He struck us down, and he will bind us up. Verse 2 After two days, this is the key verse, after two days he will revive us. On the third day he will raise us up, that we may live before him. As Reggie Kelly points out, we're on a divine schedule uh, that's very literal and precise in analogy to creation week. You know, the Genesis 1 story. Two days, 2,000 years, listen to this carefully, Two days, 2,000 years from creation, the Genesis 1 story, to the time of Abraham. 2,000 years. Two days from Abraham to Jesus. 2,000 years. And two days, 2,000 years for the Gentiles from Jesus' ascension at his first coming to his future return. That's six days of human government the number of man, as we see with regard to the mark of the beast. And in uh, Revelation chapter 13, the number 666, it's, it's the number of man and the end of the time of the Gentiles. It's literally 6,000 years from creation until the end of this age in the transition into the millennial rule and reign with Christ. The seventh millennium, Hosea's third day, is the restoration of an entirely regenerate Jewish nation in the 1,000-year reign of Christ on the earth. So the Lord completes his entire timeline, his entire timeline in 7,000 years, creation to the end of the millennium, 7,000 years. You must read these scriptures, Hosea chapter 5, starting in verse 14, and then go through to chapter 6, verse 2. Just a few short verses. Certainly, we're not announcing uh, an imminent coming of our Messiah. That's not what we're doing here today. Because there are specific timing indicators that precede that coming, as we have recently seen in our study of Matthew chapter 24, those critical musts will announce the birth pains have begun, leading to the final seven years of this age. Our Heavenly Father has a a very unique way of working with numbers. The the sevens and the seventies were all literally fulfilled. He does have his favorites, though, and I believe the Word of God assures us the two days leading to the third day will be right on time. So let's, let's take a few minutes to look at Hosea in a bit more detail. It's, it's been my opinion, people have little interest, little interest in future prophetic events they don't believe they're going to be part of. So if you come from a, a preterist tradition, uh, these prophetic events all occurred in the past. Or if you're a dispensationalist, you would see yourself removed from the crisis, raptured before the tribulation. This is what I would ask of you today. I ask that you you stay with us 
These podcasts aren't very long, so this won't take very long. But stay with us today, just long enough to consider these long-held mysteries, the timing indicators that are much more precise and reveal more about the time in the days we are now living. I'm going to read again from Hosea with some comment on my part to help us understand this in context. Hosea chapter 5, verse 14. This is God speaking. For I will be a lion to Ephraim. That's the northern kingdom, the northern kingdom of Israel. And like a young lion to the house of Judah, that's the southern kingdom. I, even I, will tear them and go away. I will take them away and no one shall rescue. I will return again to my place till they acknowledge their offense. Then they will seek my face in their affliction, in their tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble. The great day, the terrible day, as Joel says it, in that time they will earnestly seek me. Now this is chapter 6, verse 1. This is Israel's response. Now listen to this. Come and let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He's stricken us, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. Did you get that last verse? Two days, he's going to revive us. On the third day, the third day, he's going to raise us up and we're going to live in his sight on the earth. Jesus, just what does this last phrase actually mean? What should be abundantly clear here is the affliction spoken in verse 15 is the tribulation, the great one spoken of by the prophets. It's a future event. It's the end of the 2,000 years, or as Hosea says it, it's the two days. Let me be quick to say here, there are numerous, numerous scriptures that clearly say the Lord will hide his face because they have continually forsaken his covenant. Let me give you a few examples. Jot these down. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and also chapter 32. 32 is a big one. Isaiah chapter 8, chapter 54 and 64, and Ezekiel chapter 39, and there are many more. So the question remains, what determines the gap? What, re uh, what determines that 2,000 years, that, that two millennia, or as Hosea calls it, two days? Let's see what another Old Testament prophet says. We're going to read from Micah chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. Again, I'm going to offer some clarity as we read. Micah 5, 1. Now gather yourself in troops, O daughter of troops. He has laid siege against us. Now here, here the prophet is addressing the events that will precede Jesus' coming. It's, it's a form of prophetic sarcasm. You have a, what he's saying here is you have a large army. You have many troops. He's saying that's carnal security. It'll be insufficient. And of course, in today's context, it would be the IDF. Micah goes on here. They, Israel, will strike the judge, the ruler of Israel, with a rod on the cheek. So what's the offense? Israel is confessing at the end of the tribulation. Don't miss this. Micah tells us it is the ultimate offense. 
It was the striking of the ruler of Bethlehem. In short, the crucifixion of Christ. And Jesus had not even come yet. Let's read verse 2 of Micah. But you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Verse 3. Therefore, therefore, because of that rejection and crucifixion, therefore he shall give them up until, an important word, until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. Then, then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel. Let's stop there for a moment. Of what other people does the Bible say God turns his face and returns to his place? There are none. Remember what Hosea said, I will return again to my place till they, till Israel acknowledges their offense. Now the question remains, what? What momentous act on Israel's part was sufficient for God to hide his face, go back to his place, and give them up? An age-long giving up of the elect nation. Well, we can confidently say it's, it's really a divine desertion. With all we know from Scripture about God's love and everlasting covenant for and with his people, his planned destiny for them, what offense is sufficient sufficient to cause for God to use such dreadful words as these? Therefore, for this cause, he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor is given birth. What's the offense? Israel's rejection of God in the person of Messiah, his son, Jesus. Now, we have one more mystery to resolve here. The mystery of the two days. I want to make this real clear. This is not new in the Bible. It's not new in prophecy. It's prophetic code for prophetic days. It's used in other scriptures. One we probably are most familiar with is 2 Peter 3, verse 8. He's encouraging the church to remember what the prophets spoke, all in the context of Jesus' second coming. 2 Peter 3, verse 2. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? Verse 8. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Then also in Psalm chapter, uh, chapter 90, verse 4. For a thousand years in your sight, are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. So, if, if the two days, the 2,000 years, are to be understood from the death and the resurrection of Jesus, his first coming, and we take those two days literally, as literal as the third day, the millennial rule and reign of Christ, the day of the Lord, when all Israel is saved in a day, the day, that day that they come to grips with their long-held offense, rejection of the one who came to his own and his own did not receive him, that's the third day when Messiah Jesus 
will raise them up, and they go apart to mourn for the one whom they pierced. And if we take those two days literally as the third day, when Jesus has returned, and the angel of God casts Satan into the bottomless pit for a thousand years, we can say with some certainty, we are fast approaching the return of Christ at or near the end of this decade. And folks, that should be sobering. My brothers and sisters, these scriptures are considered today to demand a response. Prophecy always, always calls on the hearer to have ears to hear, to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And that is what I'm going to ask the Lord to do right now. Let's pray together. Father, the mysteries of the kingdom are being disclosed in a time frame that's moving really quickly, Lord. For you will finish the work and you will cut it short in righteousness because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. That's what your word says. Your desire is to bring to light for everyone. What's the plan, the mystery you have hidden for the ages? And you've commissioned the church of Jesus Christ to make that known. Your manifold wisdom. And who do we make it known to? The principalities, powers, rulers, thrones, authorities. This was according to your eternal purpose, Lord, that you realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, like the Apostle Paul, I'm going to pray. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named, that you would grant us, according to the riches of your glory, to be strengthened with might through your Spirit in our inner man, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, and to being rooted and grounded in love, we may be able to comprehend and, and experience with all the saints what's the width and the length, and the depth, and the height, and that we may know the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge, that throws us beyond the usual mark in our lives, and exceeds all we have ever known, and that we may be filled with all the fullness of God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all we ask, hope, think, dream, or desire according to the power that works in us. We ask, Father, and we agree with you in this. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless each and every one of you. I'm Bill Nordstrom, and Maranatha! <laughs>